Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's time for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, January 14th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the morning right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And hopefully, in a couple of minutes, I will be joined by my man, FSWA Hall of Famer, and El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angle. He's getting connected a little bit early on in the morning. You know, something like his internet didn't want to wake up this morning. But it's all good. You got the spitting statistician here. And what we are going to do is we are going to take the next two hours, and we are going to go over... Uh, you know, what what went down over the weekend, all right? So we, all four teams, you know, kind of got through the uh, biggest weekend in football. You know, me and Scott were talking about how I believe that this was the best weekend in football. Scotty seems to like Championship Sunday, which is still upon us next week. I just like that you get the action on Saturday and on Sunday as well. We had four games, although only one of them was really kind of in doubt towards the end, and it was the last game of the weekend, Philly and New Orleans. Orleans. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Before we dive in to uh, to the actual games, let me also give you a little bit of news and notes as it relates to some of the head coaches. Okay, remember teams are <clears throat> stacking their uh, front offices, their head coach us right now. And I told you earlier last week how much I loved what the Cleveland Browns were doing. They went ahead and bet on themselves proverbially by keeping the era of good feelings going with Freddie Kitchens, who was the quarterback's coach, then the offensive coordinator, and really, in my opinion, unlocked Baker Mayfield in the second part of the season, and he was hired as the head coach. It looks like he's going to have Todd Monken from Tampa Bay as his offense coordinator, and rumors that Steve Wilkes, the former Arizona 
head coach who only got one year and was kind of uh, in the news for that, how he only got one year with the cupboard still pretty bare. It looks like Wilkes will get a shot to be the defensive coordinator potentially over in Cleveland with Freddie Critchens. It also looks like Jim Caldwell may resurface in the NFL as the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. We'll get uh, more insight on those as those things become more confirmed and as we move along this week. Um, but the main things to do here is look at the four games that took place over the weekend and really break down what we saw and what the importance might be moving forward. Part of what we're also going to do is put a poll question up. I got my man, the manimal, Chris Bavona down there, bright and early in the fantasy pit of misery down there on the fourth floor. He's going to be putting up this poll question that I have for you. And it's quite frankly, the there it is. We usually have four poll options. Right for our poll, and we have four teams left standing in the NFL. So, Bavona, the poll is real easy, okay? You could ask it either way. Who do we think was the most impressive winning team of Divisional Weekend? Or, based on what we saw last week in Divisional Weekend, who do we think is going to win the Super Bowl? While we still don't have the King uh, Scott Angle in here, let's do it real quick. And, Bavona, let's bring you in here for a second. The Manimal, are you with me, my friend? I now am. What's good, Dane? Hello. How you feeling? So let me ask you this. How should we ask the poll, okay? Should we ask the poll who is the most impressive team of Divisional Weekend? Or should we ask, out of the four teams left, who's your pick to win the Super Bowl? What do you think is the best way to ask this poll question? I think the only way to ask it is who's most likely to win the Super Bowl. For the most part, every team that won was very impressive. Uh, New Orleans had to come on a little bit later on, but when they did get, when, once they started uh, rolling, they looked as impressive as the Rams. They looked as impressive as the Patriots, and they also looked as impressive. Um, Who's the other team? I can't that even. That would be the Chiefs, my Thank friend. You. That would be the Chiefs. Thank you. I'm, I don't know why I, I blanked on the Chiefs for a second there. But once they started getting getting going, they looked like one of the best teams in the NFL. Really, all four of these teams that, listen, they were, they were impressive all season being the ones and twos. We got to ask, who's most likely to win the Super Bowl? Okay, so that is uh, the poll question. As per the manual right now, with only four teams left to play, we're asking you, if you, as you wake up on Monday, January 14th, if you were the bookie, if you were Vegas, if you were the handicapper, who would be your favorite to win the Super Bowl? We're going to get that poll question up and get your opinions on it throughout the show. Also, if you want to get down and join the show, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Remember, we got my man, the King, Scott Angle, joining us in a little bit as soon as, you know, all those issues get figured out. But if you want to join the show and help speed the spitting statistician co-host, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Let's dive on in, Bavona, to this first game. I know you're getting the poll question up. We'll check in on that, you know, a little bit later on in the show. But the first, the first game was, you know, Kansas City on Saturday getting a 31-13 win over the Colts. Now, here's the deal. Scott liked the Colts. I like the Colts. I thought that, you know, this Andrew Luck team, the way he was moving the ball, the way the offense was going behind that offensive line, that, you know, 
that they were really going to be able to cause the Chiefs some problems. Unfortunately, as the Chiefs have done multiple times before, they just get out to a big lead and completely throw the game flow out the window. Part of what I liked so much about the ability of the Colts was maybe the idea of Marlon Mack being able to run behind this offensive line against what was, I believe, the 30th ranked uh, run defense in the NFL. That never had a chance to get going. Marlon Mack, with only nine carries, 46 yards, was not what you wanted. Instead, it was the running back on the other side, Damian Williams. Damian Williams has 25 carries, 129 yards, and a touchdown. He also grabs another five catches for 25 yards. Let me get this straight, guys. Let me say this very clear. Damian Williams had 30 touches in a big-time playoff win for the Kansas City Chiefs. 30 touches is the number that we were saying that people like Ezekiel Elliott needed to get in, in his game for the Cowboys to be you know successful. 30 touches is what true workhorse running backs get. What we say doesn't really happen in the NFL anymore because every team has something of a timeshare or something of a committee. Outside of Damian Williams, guys, you had Tariq Hill on an end around, by the way, that scored a touchdown for 36 yards, right? You had the other Williams that only getting three carries, and that was the only kind of non-Damian Williams running back carries. Patty Mahomes with a couple of scrambles, including a touchdown, and Sammy Watkins would a kind of, you know, would a kind of end around as well. Damian with, you know, Spencer Ware. And that's kind of the only guy who actually didn't go, right? Spencer Ware with his heel, still not ready to be up. We'll see if he's up for this weekend against New England. But I really think one of the biggest takeaways of this game is Damian Williams. And, you know, what does this mean for the Chiefs, not only next week in the AFC title game, but for for the Chiefs and Damian Williams? I mean, they signed him to a three-year extension, I guess. But he is supposed to be just this kind of shifty, uh, you know, kind of scat back. The question really is, do they believe that Damian Williams can be the lead dog of this team? I mean, we know they're not going to be going back to Kareem Hunt next year. Spencer Ware doesn't seem like he's, you know, dependable or healthy enough to fit the bill. Do they go after a quote-unquote thunder kind of back to pair with Damian Williams? Or are they comfortable with Damian Williams as the lead guy? I mean, do they go out and get a guy like a Mark Ingram? Are they players in the Le'Veon, Bell sweepstakes, that sort of thing? Or does this team, who is obviously on the precipice of being a championship Super Bowl caliber kind of team, do they really believe Damian Williams? Is the lead back? I think that is the question. For the rest of the Chiefs, listen, Patty Mahomes continues to make his plays. You know, last week, I was on this air. A number of people were talking about the first-year quarterbacks and how it befalled um, everybody from Deshaun Watson to Lamar Jackson to Mitchell Trubisky in the wild-card round of the playoffs. Patty Mahomes did not suffer the same fate. He goes 27 of 41, 278 yards, a little. He didn't get to the 300, a little bit less than their normal output. No touchdowns either. Remember, he had the one rushing touchdown, but the Chiefs ran the ball for all four touchdowns touchdowns 
both Williams, Tyreek Hill, and Patty Mahomes. So a lot of the games this week, you know, some of these high-flying offenses really went by the run game. Obviously, the Los Angeles Rams that we'll talk about in a second. But the Chiefs scored all four of their touchdowns via the run as well. But I got to say, Patty Mahomes did not necessarily have the same uh, fate as some of the other first-year quarterbacks. I hear that we do, in fact, have my man, the King, Scott Angle, with me. Hey, Scotty, are you with me, brother man? Yes, I'm with you. Uh, Good morning. Morning. uh, It looks like I had Andrew Luck managing my computer this morning. It sounds like that. Yes, we have not gotten to that side. We've been focusing on, like, to the victor go the spoils so far in this first game, Scotty. The Chiefs do get that 31-13 to win. And to be quite honest, Scott, you know, one of the things that I was talking about before uh, you joined us is Damian Williams. You know, and Scotty, I'd love to get your take. Damian Williams goes 25 for 129 and a touchdown. He also catches five balls. And I was saying how, like, 30 touches is what we were trying to get, you know, Ezekiel Elliott for them to be able to control the game flow, that sort of thing. My question is, really, Scotty, not only in the short term, but in the long term, do you think the Chiefs are comfortable with Damian Williams as just like this lead back? He's a he's a smaller guy. He's a faster guy. And I know you've talked about this kind of back not getting 25, 30 carries, whether it was Kamara at the beginning of the year or, you know, or Tariq Cohen or some of these other shiftier backs. You think the Chiefs are comfortable with Damian Williams getting 25 touches a game? Well, he's got one thing in his favor. Uh, they did sign him to an extension. Right. Uh, so, so that works in his favor. He's not a smaller back. He's 5'11", 224. So this is not a shifty scat back, you know, 5'8", uh, 195 kind of guy. You know, he's, he's built for this role. And when I used to see him in Miami in the past, uh, you know, he showed he was an explosive. I just never got to see how physical he, he was. Right. So with the guy's build and the fact that he's got power, he's very physical at the point of attack. He's got receiving skills. Uh, The only thing you can say about Damian Williams is when you start, when you're the guy from the beginning of the season and you're the starter and everybody's had a chance to review film on you from the offseason on defensive coordinators, players, etc., it becomes a little bit more challenging. But I don't see any reason, major reason right now why they can't be comfortable with him. Okay. Yeah, I mean – I hear you, and the production is there. I guess my question is, will it hold up? You know, whether it be because of how he's built or, like you said, the league will start to understand what they're trying to do with Williams in the backfield. I guess my question is, do you think the Chiefs are players in the offseason for another running back, a Mark Ingram or a TJ Yeldon or a Tevin Coleman or a Le'Veon Bell? Do you think they're going to be players or you think they're, they're, they're okay with the stable that they have? If I had to make a prediction, I think they're okay with what they have because they could have Spencer Ware as the handcuff if they want. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, build is not an issue. He's 5'11", 224. Uh, you know, so 224 pounds, he could move the pile. He could be, be physical. So I don't think they have to worry about him taking a pounding necessarily, et cetera, more than on the running backs. They just they just signed him to a new deal. It, it, it wasn't really uh, – you know, a very expensive deal. But, right, it's not big money. But, you know, that's that's incentive for him to try to keep doing better. I don't know how the contract was laid out, what type of incentives there are in there, but, you know, right now what you're seeing, you have to give Damian Williams a crack to be the feature back next year. Yeah, so Damian Williams, again, 
really helping people if they had him in DFS. I know I had him in my DFS lineup at only 6,100. He helped me out there. So, you know, he winds up getting, oh, let me do some quick math. He winds up with 154 scrimmage yards on 30 touches. The backs on the other side were not able to do it, Scott. You know, you and I, we were talking about how well Marlon Mack was running, how good this offensive line was. This offensive line, I believe, only gave up 18 sacks in the Colts' previous 17 games because they gave up zero against the Texans. They gave up three sacks against this Kansas City Chiefs team. Andrew Luck gets sacked three times. Andrew Luck's QBR all the way down to 19.7 in this one. Andrew Luck only 203 yards passing. And listen, I don't know if it was game flow, Scotty, because they were already down 14 nothing as soon as you could blink, but they weren't able to get Marlon Mack going either. Nine carries, 46 yards, and then he leaves the game with an injury in the second half. Yeah, game flow took back out of it, but right. the sacks just weren't the story. They were crushing the, the pocket constantly in an impressive fashion. You know, the the Chiefs did uh, tie for the NFL lead with 50, 55 sacks, and, you know, their guys up front, Ford, et cetera, were really crushing the pocket. On the first series, they were batting down passes uh, from Andrew Luck right in his face, and I think that took him out of his game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the sacks are just one number, right? So they got home three times. But to your point, there was pressure on Andrew Luck this entire game. And, uh, you know, maybe it threw him off a little bit. But remember, we were heralding this offensive line, you know, towards the last part of the season with what they were able to do in the run game, what they were able to do to, in essence, keep Andrew Luck clean. And Scott, you know, all season long, we've been talking about the importance of the offensive line. This is an offensive line that in essence, the big change for the Colts, they went from giving up something like 56 sacks in the 2017 season to 18 in the 2018 season. Worst to first. Yes. Right. A huge part of the Colts, you know, kind of reemergence, but then they revert back to an offensive line that was allowing pressure on Andrew Luck. And what do you know? They put up 13 points. I'm just saying yet another proof point of how important the offensive line is and how it can undercut anything you're trying to do on offense. Yeah. The teams that we saw the win this weekend, for the most part, really played better in the trenches. Three of the yep, four games. Right, and that's why we say sometimes, you know, and I've even said, I know we don't want to talk about any teams that are not in the playoffs, but that's why I talk about, like, the Jets. How I don't want a Le'Veon Bell. I don't want an Antonio Brown. They're not the cherry. They're not at the place where they need a cherry on top. They need to build from within, build from the big boys, and then out. That's the way to build it, you know. Um, and, and hopefully every other team that is not one of the four still left understands that in the way that they are building. Let me tell you something else, though, Scotty, about these Chiefs and how how dynamic and explosive they are. Tyreek Hill, man, one carry, 36 yards in the touchdown. That end around that he had, as soon as he kind of hit the corner and had some blocking and it looked like a screen pass instead of an end around, I was like, uh-oh, this dude's gone. Right, Scotty? Yeah, you know, we uh, the, the bye week helped him. Uh, he was nursing mm. some injuries down the stretch, and, uh, you know, the week off certainly helped him, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That's why those teams earned the bye and the home field advantage. And KC, they ain't going anywhere. The Pats are coming to Arrowhead. We'll talk about it more on the other side of the break. Hey, Scotty, I'm back to have. I'm glad to have you with us. It's Roto Experts in the morning. Come on right back. 
Fantasy Sports Today. Not really sure uh, what Seattle was doing in this game, George, and, and does not bode well for the future of Russell Wilson. You're going to get some high upside plays from him, but they just didn't trust him. Am I wrong? It just seemed like they were so hell-bent on the run that even though Wilson, I think it was at the beginning of the second half, had two beautiful throws, beautiful throws that completely killed Dallas's secondary. They just never went back to it. Weekends, 8 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they're able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy. And I'm happy too. Thanks, Tax Doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-215-1727. 800-215-1727. That's 800-215-1727. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Up out of there. <laughs> Ain't nothing but against the party. Welcome back. Roto Experts in the morning. Right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I feel I feel whole again. You know what I'm saying, Scotty? It's like I'm watching Jerry Maguire. You complete me. I'm talking about I'm talking about <laughs> the WA Hall of Famer. And that's what we try to do here at Roto Experts in the morning. Help people show that money. Scotty, another way to do it, I want to let people know is if they go on over to dailyroto.com because the partnership with Data Golf. It's back for the 2019 season, and they've got all new premium fantasy golf and betting tools, an all-new lineup optimizer with custom settings and advanced groupings, customizable projections for FanDuel and DraftKings, including ownership projections, a PGA finish simulator, outright in top 20 market betting tools. You get a subscriber chat and a lot more. Just go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, choose Golf, and enter the promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. That's right, DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, click on Golf, and enter the promo code GOLF19 for a 10% discount. Scotty, I didn't have a chance to talk to you at the beginning of the show. Let me get the niceties and salutations involved as well. Like, how was your weekend, brother man? Scott, how you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, just watching a lot of football. And the first thing that I thought was, boy, people love a narrative, but it's not always reality. Like, everybody always wants the Patriots to fall off for this yeah. to be the end. And, you know, here they go, prove it again, you know, that they're they're still the Patriots. I remember a few years ago, like three years ago on Monday Night Football, where they got destroyed by Kansas, by Kansas City. City everybody, right. everybody was saying at the end, everybody wants the end to come. And it didn't. It did. The Chargers were the, were the popular narrative. That's what everybody wanted to see. But reality was, is it still it's Brady and Belichick in Foxborough 
even if there's no Gronk to do anything other than blocking. And the other narrative was, is like, you know, a lot of people wanted to push the Cowboys back into the national forefront to be America's team again, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, I think that's true. Listen, you know, I remember saying to you over the last couple of weeks, that's why I thought that that last-second victory that Philly had over Houston in Week 16 was so important, you know. And they were saying this, you know, uh, on the telecast, Romo and Nance. You know, something like eight straight AFC championship games now for the New England Patriots. Yes. And a lot of it coming because they have that first-round bye. They also talked about how the Patriots, like, on the road in this run, even in this run, that on the road they haven't been able to do it. This Patriots team that was undefeated at Foxborough was 3-5 and five on the road. It was a huge difference for them to get the two-seed as opposed to the three-seed and be on the road after playing last weekend as opposed to having a week to let, you know, the 41-year-old and Gronk and whoever else needed the rest and to have that home cooking. And, oh, what do you know, to have a Southern California team come in on their second back-to-back East Coast trip, uh, you know, with with, uh, them being able to see their breath. It wasn't exactly the greatest matchup for the Chargers, but reports of the Patriots' demise have apparently been greatly exaggerated. You are absolutely correct, Scott. You can count me among the team, the people that wanted to see the fall of Rome in New England, and it was very clear that it is just not there. Maybe when they go on the road this weekend, it'll be a different story, but as we said last week, you just don't make money betting against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick in Foxborough in what, in essence, I'm calling the sacrificial lamb round of the playoffs for the Patriots. Yeah, it's uh, they were undefeated at home, like like you mentioned. You know, they weren't playing on the road. They had a, quote, disappointing season, end quote, and right. they still ended, ended up the number two team. It's, They're in the AFC it, Championship yeah, game in a, yeah. quote, unquote, disappointing season. The average the average fan will will say they're not as dominant as they were. Don't well, matter. that does that doesn't mean they're not going to contend when it counts, even yeah. if they're not quite as dominant as they 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 are. Now look, it won't surprise me if they lose at Kansas City this week, but you know it's not going to be easy for KC. You know, KC this is going to be a very tough matchup coaching wise. It's it's really about the coaching. Their coaching is so far and above. Everybody else, Pat Mahomes is probably going to see something that he's he's never seen before. The Chiefs' defense is really going to have to be on its its toes. It's you know it's it's not the narrative. Everybody wanted to see the Nick Foles narrative in right. the in the, in the NFC because it's a great story. They were up fourteen to nothing and they're feeling good, and then they didn't score again after that. It's you know it and you got now you have interesting storylines converging. It could either be. You know, the final hurrah for Breeze versus Brady or it could be the first time for Mahomes versus Goff. Absolutely. You know, you got your you got your old guard and your new guard kind of thing still there. Both both championship games are going to have a uh, veteran Hall of Fame quarterback on one side and a kind of up-and-coming offense on the other, which will make for some very interesting games next Sunday. I believe the first one is the NFC game at 3, and the second one is the AFC game at uh, 6.30 or yeah, so. But, six, but 640, yeah, 6.40, sure. yeah. And uh, my, my favorite weekend of the, of the year, the the true best four teams, and sometime in the, in, sometimes in the championship round, these games are so good that it's actually like the real Super Bowl. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the only reason I call what we just saw the best weekend is because we get two game, two days and four games, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, I want to ask you something, Scott, because you're right. You know, listen, relatively speaking, you know, we've been talking about how, oh, it's not the same Patriots. Oh, this is not the vintage Patriots. Oh, they've taken a step back. And what do you know? They're in the damn AFC championship game, the same place they've been for the better part of the last decade. So absolutely, you are correct. We'll talk about the Patriots a little bit more um, as we get to their game. And remember, I believe the manimal Chris Bavona, let's get that poll question up. We're going to have the poll question up, which is which of these four teams was the most important, was the most impressive, a.k.a. who's your pick to win the Super Bowl at this point in time? Honestly, Scott, I think this is a pretty, like, even poll, you know what I mean? I could see a lot of, um, you know, I can see the case to be made for almost any team. And right now in this poll, the lowest team is the Rams at only 7%. Only 7% of the people feel like the Rams are going to be the Super Bowl winner out of these four teams. I think it's going to be very interesting. I think there is a legitimate case to be made for all four teams. However, let's keep it moving. I'm going chronologically, Scott. We talked Chiefs Colts already. The next game is how about them Cowboys? They go out west and lose 30 to 22. Now, here's what I got to say about this game, Scott. Um, We, at one point last week, we reported that the Rams said that, or McVeigh said that C.J. Anderson had been so good in the first, in the last two games of the season that he earned, you know, he earned some touches. He earned being able to get a series. He earned 23 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns, Scotty. He had more carries than Todd Gurley. I'm watching it with some of my friends, this one guy who, like, you know, isn't as plugged in to the NFL as you and I are, a definite fan and knows what he's talking about. And he was like, wait a second, when did C.J. Anderson turn into Mike Tolbert is what he said. He was like, when did he put 40 pounds on and become thunder is what he was saying. And I got to tell you. That's kind of what it looked like to me, too. He clearly is a bigger back right now, but he was running well. Talk to me about C.J. Anderson. Do you think this is just because Gurley was still not 100% or because C.J. Anderson was just effective? Well, I don't. for me, the Tolbert comparison was a little bit off because Tolbert never rushed for 100 yards in a game. I know, but we're talking about like his was, body type, and that, that's all. Like It was funny. Yeah, that's all. To me, it was, it was more like Jerome Bettis. Like it was... You know, reincarnated out there. Actually, you know, if you want to talk about a heavy back that that that's that good, uh, but it was really about the offensive line too. It's you know they really blew the Cowboys off the ball. Seattle wasn't able to do that the previous week, uh, and the Rams probably have the best offensive line in the NFC, and it, it certainly showed. Now, when I thought when I heard that about about C.J. Anderson, I thought it, I thought it was coach speak. I, I really thought I really didn't think that he would see that much work, but he has looked so good that when an NFL team has two top running backs, they feel and can give the defense two different kind of looks and also keep one of them fresh. That's what they went ahead and did. I don't. I really don't think Dallas was expecting that either.
Yeah, I mean, I remember at one point last week, I threw, I, I, I said it, but really as a funny throwaway line, I was like, can we, yeah. can you really have the stones to put C.J. Anderson in like your DFS lineup? Remember, we joked about that last week. You know, we were like, oh, that would be a crazy contrarian play, you know, and I, I was like, oh, that would be crazy. And you were like, yeah, I don't see it. But the man went for 123 and two touchdowns. Let me ask you this then, how, like, why didn't this happen in Oakland for him? Why didn't this happen in Carolina for him? You think it's a function of the Rams' offensive line? Uh, well, in Oakland, they already have Christian McCaffrey there. So that, I mean, in Carolina, they had McCaffrey. The Carolina, they had McCaffrey. They're not going to pull him off the field. But wait a second. You say they're not going to pull Gurley off the field either. You wouldn't think this team would put Gurley off the field either. Gurley is starting the same level kind of a workhorse that McCaffrey was. Yeah, but Gurley wasn't come. McCaffrey wasn't coming off any injuries, and it was working spectacular for you. You're not going to mess with success there uh, with what Christian McCaffrey was doing. You just you don't mess with that at all. With Oakland, that's another whiff and a, and, a, and a missed opportunity there. Yeah. All right. Talk to me then about the rest of this. Talk to me about the rest of this game. You know, I think it went on the Rams' offensive side. Uh, like, you know, Goff only throws – for 186 yards, right? But, you know, I mean, 15 to 28, he's at about 55% or so, so that's not the best either. But this, you know, like you mentioned, this offensive line, Goff did not get sacked by Lawrence and the rest of the Cowboys, you know, pass rush. And, you know, the wide receivers did pretty much what they were supposed to do. Woods, 6 for 69, Cooks, 4 for 65. The tight end, Higby, gets involved as well, you know, in the passing game. At one point, though, did you hear, I think it was Troy Aikman? That he said that he thinks Robert Woods is the best wide receiver in the NFL. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. I think that's a little <laughs> bit of a stretch, but I, I really do like Woods. Uh, neither neither of the wide receivers put up spectacular numbers, but you know they certainly didn't put up bad numbers either. Uh, you know this was about the, this was about the running game really taking pressure off the passing game and the you know, the Rams defense uh, doing its job in critical spots. Okay, and I would say the other thing it was about is the Rams' ability to stop the Cowboys' running game. Zeke Elliott, 20 carries, Scott, only 47 yards. He did get into the end zone. He did add another two catches for 19 yards, but not the production you were looking for out of Zeke. No, certainly not. And, uh, again, you know, they learned a lot by watching the previous game film where Seattle was able to, like, stuff him a lot on interior runs, but they couldn't contain him on the edges. And I think I think the uh, the Rams knew that coming in, and, you know, they wanted to put the ball in the, game, in the hands of Dak Prescott to win the game, and, uh, yeah. you know, he just, he just couldn't do it. You know, there, there were too many adverse, adverse situations for Dak Prescott. You know, when you're continually stuffing uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you're going to end up in, in long third-down situations, and, you know, just too much pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Let me zoom out a little bit because, you know, I'm talking about kind of going game by game. One of my top line narratives that I saw this entire weekend, Scott, is like, you know, we talk about these crazy high-flying offenses and their dynamic and the point totals that we're putting up. But we talk about some of these winning teams, the Chiefs, who look like a crazy dynamic offense, got it done via the run game on Saturday. The Rams, who have a crazy dynamic offense, they combined for 273 yards on the ground. You know, 
on Saturday. The New England Patriots, who we talk about with Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time, right? Sony Michelle, my guy, the stereotype with three touchdowns, they were running the ball as well. Um, all of a sudden, it's January. It's 25, 30 degrees outside. You can see your breath. The ball doesn't travel as far in the air. And all of a sudden, these run games are coming back, Scotty. Well, you know, not just the weather. I mean, obviously in Los Angeles, it, it wasn't cold at all. You know, these sure. teams are showing off at, off at, optimum offensive balance as they get deeper into the playoffs. You know, Seattle wasn't able to run the ball last week. Philadelphia has no running game to speak of. So you got to have offensive balance in order to advance. I, I mean, so... Let me ask you, though, because that's not what we said throughout the entire season. You know, we were talking about how football is different in 2019 with the preponderance of throwing offenses and and, and how all the rules are, you know, like favoring the quarterback and offense and throwing the ball downfield and things of that nature. Like, what's the change in the last week or two? I think these teams are just... You know, better offensive balance than you know, some of the teams that didn't make it. And, the, you know, it's about controlling time of possession and taking pressure off the quarterback. But with New England, it, it wasn't just the running backs in the, in the running game. It's when you have James White catching 15 passes. It's just it's about having more balance on offense, just talent-wise overall. It's not, it's not about just being able to score the most points. I hear you. So talk to me, though. I guess my question is, like, even some of these teams, Scott, the Rams, the Chiefs, the you know, these are teams that, especially the Rams and the Chiefs, they weren't necessarily balanced. The Chiefs weren't necessarily a balanced team. You know, Patty Mahomes threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, setting records. Like, that, that, that's not balanced. But all of a sudden, Damian Williams is getting 30 touches. I think the Chiefs do do have balance. Kareem Hunt was running really well uh, before he got suspended. And Damian Williams coming in and running well. They had so many points. They were scoring so many points that, uh, you know, that there was enough to go around for the passing game and the running game. And, uh, you know, it's not like Kansas City had, had a terrible running game this year. Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of offense, uh, average yards per game, it's it's not like – they were anywhere near the bottom bottom of the pack, you know. They were they were in the middle of the pack when it comes to overall yards per game. They were averaging 115, 115 yards per game. So uh, yeah, that's pretty good. All right, fair enough. One point that I do want to make over on the Dallas side, although they did lose a nice game. One thing, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Rams were third in rushing. New England was fifth in rushing. And New Orleans was six in rushing. So all these teams had offensive balance during the regular season. Hmm. Where was KC? KC was 16th. They were middle of the pack. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're right. Listen, out of the out of the four teams still left, all of them in the top half, and three of the four teams left were inside the top, you know, five, six, or seven, whatever top it six, was. Top six, yeah. There you go. Top six. There it was. Um, one point I do want to make about the Dallas team, and we're going to do like our autopsies of the four losing teams a little bit later on in our two hours that we have together this morning as we put the fun and functional sports content. Um, nice game out of Michael Gallup. 
Scotty, you know, six for 119. He leads the team in targets, or at least was tied with Amari Cooper with nine targets. You know, we talk about how the rookie wide receivers sometimes struggle to get their footing, and then they could be primed for a big year two. And I think we got a lot of second-year wide receivers going next year that could be in for big seasons. You know, Calvin Ridley, Anthony Miller, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk among them. Michael Gallup could be primed to be a nice little wide receiver two on the other side of Amari Cooper. Nice game out of him, right, Scotty? Yeah, he's had his best game of his of his career so far. Uh, you know, it's just about Dak Prescott getting him the ball accurately when it counts. Yeah, so I, I, I just say this to mean that with Zeke and now with maybe two quality wide receivers and a guy like Cole Beasley in the spot, in the slot, maybe some of their skill positions are set for years to come. We'll talk about what the Cowboys need and what all the losing teams need. When we come back on Roto Experts in the morning, we look at the games yesterday. We'll talk about why the Pats and the Saints are moving on. Come on right back. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. New year, new you. Yeah, you hear that saying every single New Year's Day, right? But it takes money to get that new you for the new year. You need money for that gym membership. You need money to buy the expensive, healthier groceries. And you need money to go on that awesome vacation with the cute girl or guy in your office. But there is something to help you get that money, and it's free. When you download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, you get to listen to the best fantasy sports analysis 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for free fantasy analysis betting odds and plenty of entertainment to help you get that money you need to start your new year's journey go to the itunes or google play store download the fntsy sports radio network app and start listening to the best fantasy sports and betting analysis in the industry we want you to drop those holiday pounds we want you to take that awesome vacation and we want to see you start 2019 right by downloading the fntsy sports radio network app the fantasy sports radio network we're here to give you that cash to start a new year with a new you in this league. I want there to be a really good linebacker out there, a defensive lineman available. And you're like, this is it, this is it. The Steelers are trading up for them. And then they take Kyler Murray, the sooner quarterback. It would Nothing would make me happier. Uh, I know, but that's not a possibility. They're, they're not going to do that until Ben retires. So I think they, they think they have their guy in Mason Rudolph. I think that's what they're trying to do. They think they, Mason Rudolph is their guy. Saturdays, 4 p.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. Welcome back to Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and Scott Engel, you got the fitness statistician and the king. Taking you through what we saw over the weekend and what it means moving forward. Remember, we got a poll question up as well. We're asking you, out of the teams in, in the conference championship games, obviously the Chiefs, the Pats, the Saints, and the Rams, who do you think is most likely to win the Super Bowl? Scotty, right now, who do you think, who do you think should be? The Vegas favorite to win the Super Bowl? Who do I think should be? Probably the Saints. Do you think the Saints should be? Um, 
All right. The poll question, they agree. 46% of the people in the poll think that the Saints are the Super Bowl, followed 28% the Chiefs, 19% the Pats, and only 9% the Rams. Uh, you know, these, these polls are moving as people, more and more people kind of vote. So I do think it's very, very interesting. Um, you know, right now, uh, let's see. Goodness, we got. You can also bet bets on all four uh, teams and all of the different combinations of the outcomes. Right now, the favorite choice is the Saints to beat the Chiefs. The long shot right now is the Patriots to beat the Rams. It seems like Vegas thinks that the Saints and the Chiefs are your uh, biggest favorite. Right now, your Super Bowl MVP favorite is Drew Brees. I mean, it's all the quarterbacks. It's Brees, then Mahomes, then Brady, then Goff, then a huge jump, Scotty. I mean, Brees is 230, plus 230, Mahomes plus three, Brady plus 400, Goff plus 400. Then the next option is Todd Gurley at plus 3,000. So they really think that the Super Bowl winning quarterback will ultimately be the MVP of the Super Bowl. Scotty, real quick, I just got to let the people know if you're at the game or if you just have a gut feeling, it doesn't matter. You can now bet from anywhere, anytime with the all new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile betting platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to MyBookie.ag, open an account with the promo code FNT. T-S-Y, and my bookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yeah, that's right, $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code F-N-T-S-Y. All right, Scotty, let's talk about the first game on Sunday, the New England Patriots boat race, the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers with a valiant effort, you know, kind of making the score look a little bit better, outscoring New England 21-6 to in the second half, but this game was never really in doubt. The Patriots go up early and they cruise to their 41 to 28 win. I got to tell you something, Scott. And as you know, I was on the Chargers. You know, I love the Chargers all season long. I do tip my cap to what I think is a good season for them. And, you know, they'll be around as long as Phillip Rivers decides, to, you know, come back at it. But I really do believe, Scott, in that very first drive, you know, like that bomb to Mike Williams that was not complete. Now, ultimately, they did answer back and tie it up 7-7. But you could kind of see that some of the balls that Phillip Rivers would chuck up, you know, 30, 35 yards downfield, where in, in other situations, Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen would come down with it, didn't necessarily happen. You liked the 331 yards that Phillip Rivers put up but he was an under 50% completion percentage, 25 out of 51. But the story here really had to be how the New England Patriots were able to run the ball and punch these charges in the mouth. Sony Michelle, 24 carries, 129 yards, three touchdowns, Scott. Yeah, Michelle had his best game of the season. Uh, you know, got a lot of carries, looked very fresh the week off, I think. Helped him because he was kind of banged up during the regular right. season. And when he's going well, he's got really good vision. He can explode to the second level. He's physical. Uh, he can accelerate. He can cut. You know, very complete running back in terms of the way he, he runs the ball. He is their top goal line option. And uh, he saved his best game of the season for yesterday. Two rookies, you know, having their best game of the se- best games of the season over the weekend in Sony Michelle and Michael Gallup. Yeah, you know, that Mike Williams drop, you know, they, that was that that looked big early, but then 
then after that, they were able to tie the game up anyway yeah. to Keenan Allen. So for me, it really came down to the defense and just how uh, the, the Chargers defense were like shoved around the field the all, all day. You know, they were yep. not facing a rookie quarterback. They were facing the GOAT yesterday. And uh, also, uh, you know, the great running game was just James White with the 15 receptions. Burke had, had a touchdown. That first drive really set a tone that the defense couldn't recover from. Yep. And the only way for them to keep up was the offense to keep going out there and slugging it out. And they just couldn't do it because they could they, – when I talked about running games, they couldn't muster a running game at all. Melvin Gordon only had 15 rushing yards. Yeah, absolutely. As a team, you know, because Justin Jackson added one in there. As a team, 10 carries for 19 yards. You're not going to get it done on the road in the playoffs, averaging less than two yards a carry, you know. And here's the other thing. Um, I like what they did, the run game for New England, not because also scheme-wise, you know, I've been saying for a while that part of the reason I love this Chargers defense was Melvin Ingram and Joey Boza, right? And they are pass rushers. Those were guys that maybe were going to be able to disrupt Tom Brady. But how the Patriots come out, they came out, in essence, rendering those pass rushers something of obsolete because they kept on running the ball and using Sony Michel as this hammer to punch them in the mouth, you know, making them less effective as edge rushers, Scotty. Yeah, it just, Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly, too, and then when you have the running game taking things away, when you when you can throw flats and screens and, you know, uh, those type of passes, you, you just really take the edge off the rush, and Julian Edelman was just eating Desmond King alive. Desmond yeah. King was first team pro, game. And, and, and Julian Edelman just... He, he he just caught everything thrown thrown his way. I don't th- I don't think enough people talk about how Julian Edelman's going to be a Hall of Famer too. Listen, you know Julian Edelman is nine catches, hundred and fifty one yards, and then James White with fifteen catches, twenty four of Brady's completions go to White and Edelman. You're absolutely right, Scott. I mean Julian Edelman plays this role so well. Let me ask you something. Is Julian Edelman's career better? Like, is Julian Edelman better than Wes Welker? I think so. I, I think he showed up more in the postseason than Welker did. Really? Because, I mean, they, yeah. they were similar kinds of wide receivers, right? They were in the slot doing the two-way goes, being that kind of, you know, security blanket for Tom Brady. Wes Welker really kind of, you know, defined that role, and then Edelman has taken it. And really taking it to the next level. And you see kind of when Edelman has been out, whether it's been, you know, I think suspensions or injuries, that sort of thing. We talk about how the how Gronk is really the linchpin for this offense, but really, it really is Edelman, right? Yeah. You know, Wes Welker, you know, he had some terrific years. Uh, his best was in 2013 with Denver when he, when he had uh, – when he had those ten touchdown receptions, yeah, uh, I think I think of my recollection too. Uh, you know, Welker got hurt a little bit more, but he still played most of the games of his career. Edelman's uh, had some injuries. The, yeah, Edel, Edelman's had some injuries too. I think I think both of them are, are very similar. But uh, you know, in the postseason, I, I just feel like like Edelman's made more of a bigger difference throughout over the course of his career. Yeah. Talk to me about Rob Gronkowski, Scotty. I mean, listen, going into this game, I was trying to say, like, maybe this could be the last hurrah. Maybe this could be, you know, when the Patriots fans at home get to see Gronk kind of gear it up again for the final hurrah sort of thing. I got to tell you, Scotty, if you had me to bet right now, there'd be no reason. 
that Rob Gronkowski, you know, plays in 2019. Are, do you agree? Like, is this is this his swan song whenever, whether the Patriots win the Super Bowl or if, say, they get banged out this Sunday at Kansas City? I kind of believe Gronk has played his last game at Foxborough. I think a lot of people do believe that, but, you know, stranger things have certainly happened. He showed yesterday that he can still certainly block. He can block, you know, he, sure. Yeah, but... You know, and a lot of tight ends need to do that. Uh, there, there are some receiving tight ends that don't do that at all. Uh, but one catch for 25 yards, a lot of people uh, try to remember that, like Tony Romo said, if if you don't cover him correctly, uh, he can turn back the hands of time very quickly on you. But, you know, he's getting this defensive attention. He, he's just not capable of exploiting it anymore. Right. Uh, I think all the injuries have really caught up with him as a pass receiver. Yeah, and listen, if Gronk has the option of being a more blocking kind of tight end or to, like, automatically be on, like, the set of ESPN or NFL Network or CBS or whatever it is, and he could kind of, in essence, write his own check for what he wants to do after football. I, and, you know, I think faced with the decision that's really in front of him, you know, whether that comes in a week or in a month um, – you know, I think I think it's prudent from him to go enjoy the second part of his career, whether that be in Hollywood, you know, in the WWE or on or on a set at a network. I mean, he'll be able to pretty much do whatever he wants. He's one of the few people in the NFL that can really market himself as himself. Right, Scotty? Yeah, uh, I I don't know. Is he fit in the broadcast booth? He's he's know. more lively than that. I think he turned, would turn out to be more of a Shannon Sharp type. Right. I, I, this may sound silly, Scott, but I literally could see him in the WWE being a professional wrestler. Uh, that would shock me. You know what I mean? Well, like, go he's from got a the, real, real sport yeah. to a fake sport. He'll he's got fit. the personality for it. You know, he's got the, he, he would move the crowd, you know, and it's not like it would be the first time we see someone making that kind of transition into the WWF kind of world. I think that would be interesting. Real quick, though, on the Chargers side, you know, uh, we all know that we'll do our autopsies a little bit later on. One thing that I do want to note is that the team's leading receiver from yesterday. I don't think he's going to be with the Chargers anymore because he's a free agent. Tyrell Williams, Scott, five for 94. I, don't, I think Tyrell Williams will be moving on and could be an interesting guy. Like, he'll have a market. He's a 6'3 kind of receiver, you know, and right now he's toiling kind of as like the number three in Los Angeles. You got to figure they're still set moving forward with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, who really took a step forward this year, in my opinion. But Tyrell Williams could be a nice add for a team that needs like a number two wide receiver, right? Like imagine him on the other side of, say, T.Y. Hilton in, in, in Indianapolis. Imagine him maybe helping out the group in San Francisco, for example. I think Tyrell Williams is going to have a market in free agency. Tyrell Williams really like did do much in the, the entire second half of, of the season. Uh, you know, he, he practically disappeared the entire second half of the season. I don't think... I don't think he's a second receiver on any NFL team. I, I think, I, I think you know, if if a team like maybe the Bears wants to add him as say a third type receiver to take the top off of defense, uh, I think he's a he's a much better fit there. Uh, I like him better than Taylor Gabriel. Who I really think doesn't fit that. I I think that this guy is boomer bust. You know, hit him once in a while on the bomb. Uh, t- t- Tyrell Williams led to them receiving yesterday because. They, they were playing catch-up. You, you look at, like, weeks 9 through 17, he really didn't do much of anything at all. I don't think he's a second receiver, but if another team wants to add another element of speed downfield somewhere, I think you see him fit in as a third guy. 
That's interesting. I have a slightly higher opinion of him than you do. I do believe that a team will, you know, in free agency, Scotty, also, all it takes is one team. You know what I mean? All it, te- the mar- all it takes is one team to view him as such, and then they will offer him a contract as such, and he will take that kind of money if it's the best offer. Oh, yeah, you know, the, you know, that's the Miami thing. Dolphins might look at him as their second receiver, right. and then if you look at the production throughout the course of his career, what I'm saying is they're making a mistake. You know, and that's and that's fair, you know. But I do think you you're you're saying kind of um, where you think he belongs, right? As maybe more of as a wide receiver three or as a kind of deep threat. I, I'm I saying think, I that. Think go ahead, you finish. I'm saying that in the open market that he is going to be hitting, I think in that scenario, in this capitalistic society, he will be paid and ultimately regarded by whatever team pays him as a number two. That's not disagreeing uh, with you. Maybe I don't, he's a number three. Yeah, I, I think a smart front office will look at the production and they won't offer him that kind of money or they'll offer him something with incentives. Uh, you know, you look at weeks nine through 17, you know, only once did, did he actually like top 50 yards. And he, he only scored one touchdown during the entire second half of the season. Yeah, but isn't that also a function of the Chargers have other options that are strong? And if you go into another team that doesn't have those options, doesn't have a Keenan Allen or a Mike Williams, you know, or a Melvin Gordon, you know, that sort of thing, then maybe he does get more targets, more opportunity, and ultimately the stat line moves up. We're talking a lot about Tyrell Williams, and we don't need to. But one of the things I just got to say, Scotty, is you were talking about, like, a smart front office. Do you really think the NFL is full of 32 smart? Front offices? No, that's why. That's why I mentioned a team like Miami. And the last thing I'll say on it, to your point about you know, look who's there. If Tyrell Williams, who was with the Chargers for three years already, was was ready to be a number two wide receiver, they would have to draft Mike Williams. Absolutely, but at the same time, Mike Williams still could be, you know, a real true stud. He took a big step forward this year. He was the number oh, yeah, 7 I overall pick, and I actually think to be quite honest, you saw that we did a um Scotty, we did a uh 2019 like way too early mock draft and I yes, drafted I Mike it, Williams. Yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. I drafted Mike Williams, yeah. I believe in like the 5th round or something. I actually would not be surprised if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have very similar production next year. Keenan Allen's still probably the number 1, but I think that they're going to be more of a kind of closer two-headed wide receiver group than a distinct like, oh, Keenan Allen is the true number one and Mike Williams is a gap below to the two. I I really think there's a chance Mike Williams outperforms Keenan Allen next year, especially when you consider the injury history, to be quite honest, of both of them. Keenan Allen's not what you would call necessarily a reliable number one wide receiver. Yeah, I was talking about a fantasy football rewind. You know, Keenan Allen, I think, topped 80 yards just once in his final six games, including the playoffs. This year, and uh, you know, he had a nice touchdown four four week run there. But I think there were only two or three one hundred yard games this year. Keenan Allen has a reputation as a fantasy wide receiver. One, I think he's more of a wide receiver too. Right, and so like maybe some of those scales are evening a little bit. The last thing I'll say about this, we talked about it on the Patriots side a little bit already, but um. Scotty, this game may have featured you know kind of the relative swan songs for not one but two. 
Hall of Fame tight ends in Rob Gronkowski and probably Antonio Gates as well. Hunter Henry, not in the box score, but he did get some snaps out there. By the time next year rolls around, you got to think it's all Hunter Henry and that Antonio Gates walks away into the sunset, right? We tip our cap Actually, to one of the was... greatest tight ends of all time. Yeah, there was yeah, talk. Head, I mean, Tony Romo was talking about that. You know, Tony Romo yeah. was talking about that and stuff. But, I, you know, you really think Gates is coming back? With Hunter Henry as healthy? I saw a report this morning that he wants to continue playing, so keep your head on your head. We'll see. Uh, I'd be still willing right now to make a bet with you, Scott, that Antonio Gates will not ultimately be on the Chargers' active roster come 2019. Remember, they That doesn't mean he won't be playing somewhere else, though. You think he might go somewhere else? Interesting. I mean, remember, they had to talk him out of retirement because of the Hunter Henry injury. He had that one, like, last go-around with Phillip. I wonder if he'd really want to sack up. I don't think anybody knows but Antonio Gates himself. Yep, and what he feels now and what he feels three, four months from now might be very different. Scotty, one hour in the book. When we come back, we recap the top stories. We dig into the last game, New Orleans-Philly, and we do the autopsies of these losing teams. Roto experts in the morning. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 fantasy sports radio network.